everybody, this is your captain speaking. We are cruising at an altitude of uh, 40 to 50,000 feet, uh, and it's going to be a smooth ride. Captain, sorry to interrupt you. We had a bird strike. The, the birds have hit both engines. Our, both engines are out right now. Oh, that is bad. Do you know what can help us? What? Science. Excuse me? Science. Okay, but what do we do? Excuse me, everyone. Do we have a scientist on the boat? No, no scientists? I think we should go through the procedures. I have this whole book, the manual. Maybe we should fly back to Florida. Ah, that feels like an extra move. Okay, what else should we do? I mean, we can't just land on a river. I think we should land on the river. That seems like a great idea. Oh, you're the fucking captain. I'll just sit here. Sorry. I just wanted to... I'm going to crash the plane. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh. And today we're talking about the Clint Eastwood, Tom Hanks heroic film Sully from 2009, I think. Do you guys know about that confirmation? 2009 was when the event happened. Oh, so maybe I'm wrong. 2012? Emily, look that up. Let me know. Uh, also, I'm not telling you to do that. You can do that if you want to on your own. 2016. Very good, which is exactly what I said. The 2016 <laughs> film Sully, which we all know and love. Which we either saw... Two years ago or <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah. Because our memories, that's so right. good. Our memories are perfect. We're sitting here. We have three perfect memories. So don't worry about that if you're listening. Uh, the first person who you're hearing talk to me is a good friend of mine, a comedian, writer, and actor, Alec Owen. Hello. How's it going, Alec? Fantastically. You look absolutely lovely today. I know I told you that earlier, but I wanted to reiterate. I can't hear it enough. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll just say it periodically throughout the podcast, Excellent. every five, ten minutes. Thank you. Um, and joining us is our old friend from the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind episode. He's a professor at the Department of Psychology at UCLA and the author of the book, Better with Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging. It's Dr. Alan Castell. Correct, Alan Castell. Oh, Good my God. Wrong. I can't believe I got it wrong. Honestly, I'm leaving. <laughs> well, it rhymes with pastel. That's how you remember, right? <laughs> Damn it. I can't believe it. Dr. Alan Castell. Very good. Oh, very good. F, completely. <laughs> F minus. Uh, thank you for joining us, even though I refuse to get your name. Another right. example of great memory. Yeah, can you explain? Let's just start off with that. What's wrong with me? Well, no, it's a great example, and I think we all struggle with remembering names. And uh, even, you know, I've been in this room before, we've met before. Yep, and good when friends. I, when I saw you, your face looked familiar. I had no chance at getting your name. Oh, great. So See, I'll, I'll this admit makes me that, feel better. Uh, I think we're all in the same boat. It's something that happens not just as we get older, but it's an attention issue that, okay. you know, when you meet someone, you're interested in what they say, what mm -hmm. they do, where you met them, and the name kind of falls away pretty quickly. Yes. Um, and the truth is, it's nice to be able to remember names. People feel like privileged if you remember their name. Absolutely. But complimented. I, as I study memory, know that names are kind of the first thing we forget. So I feel no pain if you've forgotten my that name. That makes me feel better about myself. Yes. It, it does reduce some anxiety. I think especially as we get older, we do get concerned about forgetting names. And it is concerning when you forget a name of someone you know well, mm -hmm. your spouse, let's say. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. But when you forget names of someone, someone who's been on your podcast sure. twice. <laughs> yes. just as a theoretical exactly. example um but names are for good reason arbitrary there's no reason i'm alan castell because mm. who knows how who you could turn out to be exactly wow. I, there might be a better name that fits me uh <laughs> okay so let's call you let's jack figure it out exactly. by the end of the <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast <laughs> But I think that's what's interesting as we get older is, you know, names might drop off, but there are some things that we remember well, like how the person made you feel or if the person was funny or if the person had something interesting to say. And I think, you know, memory can be adaptive that way. Do you think that people will feel better 
when I explain that to them when I don't remember their name. I think people understand it. I think some people will say like, oh, I forgot your name too. Or I remembered your name because you gave me this mnemonic. It's Castel, rhymes with pastel. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a painter. Clearly that doesn't work all no, the time. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter at all yeah, to me. It doesn't apparently. work if you forget how pastel is pronounced. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love pastel. But, but again, names don't have a lot of meaning. There's no, you know, if someone's last name is Thompson or Thompson. It's See, but both remember. of these things, I first of all, I completely agree with you. Couldn't agree more. And I feel like as far as we're, you know, if we're talking about lowering anxiety, even just the sound of your voice is very soothing. <laughs> so like the whole package here is perfect for me. Good. But people are really offended by this, not only by if you forget their name, but if you follow it up with saying like, well, your name is meaningless. Uh, there's no reason for me to remember that <laughs> right. name. They're yeah. not going to love that, yes. right? right. Yeah. So I, I think we need to, we need a better way of telling them like, well, it's okay that I forgot your name because... I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people are often much better with faces and there's even a part of the brain that's very involved in face processing. So hmm. you can see someone and their face looks familiar. You people know, will you, think that that's a cover-up though. Yeah, that's absolutely. I'm, like, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm, you're I'm good full with of these cover-ups, but the, the, <laughs> the truth is names are very difficult to remember because making that association is is novel, it's unique. And there's lots of people named Alan, Alec. Right. Could, you know, at the end of the interview, you could be calling us by, you know, different names just because they sound similar. I mean, I try my best, but, you know, <laughs> I can't promise anything here. But no, names are certainly something that people are concerned about. And there, there is also social reasons why, you know, if you remember someone's name, they feel honored. But yeah. as someone who studies memory, I have no problem when people say, I forgot your name. Yeah. Um, sometimes people say, oh, I remember your name because you gave me this mnemonic. And Do you I feel realized. honored at all when that happens? Like I, if I got it right, would you be like, damn right? <laughs> well, if you said you gave me this mnemonic, I can't remember what the mnemonic is, but you'd be surprised <laughs> at how often people say, oh, you gave me this trick. I remember your last name is Pastel. Uh -huh. So they'll, they'll clearly <laughs> get it wrong, but yeah, <laughs> right. showing that that process is intact is pretty interesting. Yeah. It's just so funny that people attach such huge weight to it. Like yeah. there is a lot, there's social pressures. I'm sure we've all felt yeah. at a party where you see people and you're like, oh Jesus, you know, yeah. I recognize that guy. I don't yeah. know their name. I got to avoid talking to them completely. Yeah, sure. Even though I, yeah. I, I like them, my memory of them is positive but I'm afraid to approach them now. Yeah. And I think mnemonics are crazy too and weird mm -hmm. because it's like, there's so many that I find hard to remember. Yeah. Like, it's right. like extra steps you got to Do you know remember. the one about stalagmites and stalactites? No. It's stalagmites might reach the ceiling, oh. but stalactites stick tight to the ceiling. <laughs> what? It's pretty far-fetched. That's yeah. tough. I have a hard time remembering it because I have to remember that it's ceiling and not floor. Right. No, <laughs> so you're clearly you can get confused and if you spend you a lot of time floor, thinking about it. Yeah. Right. They might reach the floor. They stick tight to the floor. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if I could repeat it to you and you just told it to me. Yeah. So that's, again, yeah. not speaking highly of myself. Right. Just know that. You're listening to a podcast and you are not in good hands with your host today. Um, however, I do recall that we are talking about Sully, which I had never seen before this morning. Um, and I enjoyed the film, but I'm curious as to your uh, views on it. I know there's a brief Sully section in your book, Better With Age, which you can get right now online. How did that come into place? My research looks at how our memory and cognitive function changes as we get older. And, and like we all illustrated, oftentimes we forget names and that gets even more challenging as we get older. But I think what's interesting are there are some things that might get better with age or kind of be maintained. <laughs> and one of the first things that comes to mind is wisdom. People will often say, well, older adults are wiser or have more knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
And when we think of wisdom, it's, it's kind of very hard to define. Like, you know, wisdom could be, you know, a recipe or, you know, socially how to behave. But I think the movie Sully really provides a, a great example of an older pilot. I think he was 57 at the time mm-hmm. who'd never done this sort of emergency landing. In fact, no one had done it. And he said he really drew on a lot of his training and experience um, to improvise, basically. Yeah. And his knowledge of physics, his knowledge of, you know, how planes operate. He's flown planes so many times. He's never done this, but he was able to execute this under a lot of stress um, and make, you know, rapid decisions. And the movie, I think, is interesting and excellent because it kind of portrays the challenge of, you know, how much time did he have? Did he make the right decision? Could a computer have done a better job? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, I think, you know, to spoil the movie, I think that's what we're here for. That's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, real life event. <laughs> real life event. We know how it ended, but I thought the movie was interesting because it tried to Did suggest, the plane go down? Don't tell me. Right? <laughs> well, whether the plane- I don't remember. <laughs> whether the plane had to go down in water, could he have made a, a rapid choice and landed the plane at one of the nearby airports? And the truth is, in hindsight, maybe that could have happened if you knew how much, you know- fuel was left right. or whether both engines were out. you knew the, the yeah. going to lose thrust. Or, yeah, if you knew yeah. all of these things, but the, the truth is he didn't know and, and that's making a judgment under uncertainty, which is how most of our judgments are made. And I think if you're faced with the choice of having an older pilot or a younger kind of newly trained pilot who might have faster reaction times and better memory, you might think, oh, you know, the, the one that's you know, younger, mm-hmm. but I think there's many benefits to having this, you know, knowledge base to draw on, especially under these kind of stressful conditions where he had to, you know, regulate a lot of emotions, Yeah, stay calm, you know, work with his co-pilot, figure out a contingency plan. So I really thought this movie illustrated something that thankfully happens probably once in a lifetime, if that, Yeah. Uh, but it suggests kind of an extreme situation where maybe when you're older, you can draw on a lot of these prior experiences to kind of reconstruct what, what could happen to to save a lot of lives. I have so many questions about many things that you said, but you enjoy the movie? I mean, I'm not an expert in aviation, but I enjoy flying and I enjoy, you know. You enjoy flying? I enjoy flying. Uh, I both, you know, commercially, I have friends who are pilots. Oh, wow. So I watched this movie. I was so excited for it to come out and I don't think it disappointed. I thought it kind of put in this nice Hollywood-like debate as to, you know, did he have enough time? Would a computer simulation have done things differently? And of course, from a cognitive science standpoint, that's also exciting for a a cognitive psychologist Mm -hmm. that yes, you can run simulations and show things could have turned out this way or that way. But again, simulations are based on a model where you might already know the outcome. So Mm -hmm. I thought from a science standpoint, it was really interesting to show that that human factor is really important. Yeah. Alec? You just saw the movie, right? Yeah, I saw it for the first time last night. I thought it was all right. Yeah. I think that in that context, I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From a cognitive science uh, standpoint, because I think it is cool and they do raise good points and it does make the point well of what you're saying about how this old dude is better because he's old in this one scenario. Yeah, cool, calm, collective. Um, You know, that being said, I'd... The structure of the film was very interesting, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like at the end of it, it just kind of like faded out. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised at the ending. I will say, not yeah. that there was some big twist or reveal. It was a joke, right? But... That Aaron Eckhart's made <laughs> yes. e- Eckhart's character. They say like, "Would you have done anything differently?" And it's in the middle of this investigation where they're like, "It's all about whether they should have turned around or not." Right? And he goes, 
I would have done it in July. Yeah. So it would have been warmer. Oh, yes. And then the movie's like, ha Yeah, Tom right, Hanks gives a nice we'll laugh. We'll call this. We'll call this <laughs> That's <right> good. <laughs> but it made me love that man. I loved him before, and now I love him still even more. Absolutely. It's almost a dirty trick to cast Tom Hanks as the role, because if you didn't like him before, now you love him. Yeah, there's no way to dislike <laughs> Tom Hanks. I mean, almost in any role. Yeah. But especially in this one where he's yeah. clearly a hero and like, so it's under like, a lot of stress. Is if you're if the question is like, can an older man handle the stress? I'm like, well, is that man Tom Hanks in old age makeup? <laughs> because then best of both worlds. Because I'll hire him. I'll hire him for anything. <laughs> yeah, um, he can do surgery on me if he wants. That's to. fine. Yeah, uh, I like the movie. Also, I've it was kind of exactly what I was expecting, which is really rare. Yeah, actually, yeah. right. It's like. Okay, he saves the day. There's some unique. I really liked how it started, where it kind of throws you off. Mm -hmm. Again, spoilers, but like whatever. It starts in his nightmare, right, where he crashes into a building, and then then the movie begins, where it's like, oh, that's not actually what happened. And they slowly creep into other flashbacks. Actually, yes, I thought that was an interesting thing in the movie, and uh, it got me thinking a lot about like how survivors of a of a trauma have this PTSD too, because everybody's thinking about how he's a hero and he has to come and defend his actions, but he's dealing with just having been in a life from death yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I was, I was curious your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. I think the stress of this whole incident is so interesting as a psychologist, because not only do you have, you know, the, the flight crew who are all deemed heroes, but all the passengers who feel fortunate and lucky, but then, you know, they're going to have bad dreams of what if, what if yeah, it didn't happen this way? Or sadly, how about all the people who do die in these terrible yeah. ways? Or are you going to get on a plane again? Right. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Um, it's like, well, they, they had to be flying somewhere. Yeah. So <laughs> right. how, are they, how are they going to get there? Exactly. Yeah, and that, jump on another plane? Right. And that's, one, that's the real life of it. And one thing I real didn't realize about the event until I saw the movie was how scary it was right after the plane landed like um you know all the reports are like he did a miracle thing and they all went out of the wing and like i didn't realize like oh of course the plane is instantly filling with water and everyone thinks they're gonna die and need to run and yes. get out of there yeah i was expecting this like big celebration be like right landing like oh thank you yeah but thank you I, mr then, sully right when they land there's a new emergency and he's they, like evacuate yeah everyone get out now uh, that was so my Sully impression <laughs> from my Very memory good. of last Very night. Impressive. Okay. It. Do you want to say a few more lines as um, Sully? Birds. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking a little bit before the pod yeah. about how that part, the the inciting incident comes just out of nowhere. Yeah, he's there. just like, isn't the Hudson so beautiful? It's like, yeah, it's easier up here. Yeah. Birds! <laughs> Birds! <laughs> Birds strike! Um, just no real uh, crescendo of action there. Just all of a sudden, birds. Yeah. Uh, I thought which, that was interesting. I mean, that's a very reactive I'm response. Sure that's how it went. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. you know, as a pilot, you want to react quickly and why waste words on, you know, saying, you know, what's happened? It's that's like true. we have a protocol to follow. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you're right. The movie, in terms of, so he lands in the Hudson, and then it's like there's not a parade immediately. It's now we have to get these people off the plane. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how impressive his his skill was, but I think there was, I don't know if this was in the movie or not, but at least some mistake that he didn't follow all of the routines because if you're going to do a water landing, you want to seal all the vents on the aircraft so that oh. the water won't come into the aircraft. I don't think they talked about that. Yeah. No, and he, did he didn't do that. And that, you know, if you're following protocol, they have these binders and manuals, yeah. that would be one of the things. Now, of course, he didn't have time to consult all of this. Right. right. 
if you're going to forget one thing, maybe well, that's not the worst thing. He wouldn't thing. have turned off the APU and that was the 15th <laughs> step in the list. Right, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's the human mind at work. It's like, you're going to focus on what you need to do, get the airplane down safely in water. Yeah. And then what? Whereas if you had enough time, you might say, oh, we're landing in water. I should seal all the vents. You know, hopefully we're going to land in water. So, um, you know, you're not going to get everything right. And mm -hmm. I think focusing on the important things, he was thinking about physics, to be honest. I think that's literally what he's thinking about. Is sure. I have this big aircraft in the sky. We're coasting. We're going to go on water. Yeah. You know, do it landing gear. What am I doing? What do I not need to do? You have to yeah. override a lot of habit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of not fair to say, oh, I, I'd love to have an older pilot just because they have more experience because no one has experience doing this. Right. And that's why yeah. I think the wisdom and kind of thinking on your feet comes into play is that if anything, he's, la he's landed a plane so many times on land. Mm -hmm. Did this start a trend of Old pilots. <laughs> <laughs> you just hire old pilots yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. There's definitely ageism. I mean, again, in, in the book, I talk a lot about how things can get better with age. But, you know, when you're 60, you have gray hairs. It's harder to get jobs mm -hmm. in the, the airline industry. What if you're 31 with gray hairs? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> it's maybe harder that, to get jobs? then it makes you look wise or, you know, you feel like there's benefits to aging. But I think in, the, in you know, aviation, there's, there's reasons why people have to retire um, there's certain jobs where that favor younger people or the truth is. Well, like, yeah, I mean, it's like a common thing that people don't think people of a certain age should even have driver's licenses. Absolutely. Alone, right? Yeah. Let alone fly a plane. But when yeah. you think about all the things that are automated and all the wisdom and interesting thing about driving, because that is something that happens as we get older, it's harder to, you know, pass your driving test, but statistically speaking, Older adults, healthy older adults are less likely to get into a fatal car accident than, you know, 17-year-old. Wow. Yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah, it makes sense when you think about it, but mm -hmm. your stereotype is, oh, those old people better get off the road. They're, they drive, you know, dangerously. They hold up traffic, but yeah. they're not taking risks. They're going to wear their seatbelt. Not on their phone, probably. They're not They've on their phone. so many people die. Sure. Right? And maybe that's part pause. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to do it. Yeah. They, they'll drive on familiar streets, familiar routes. They're oh, not, they, yep. they won't speed. They're not driving a Porsche. Yeah. Well, they, they might, here in LA, they and might be. Oh, <laughs> and I think a lot of it for Sully too is like, yeah, like you said, with physics, it's like a matter of, he knows how this thing moves. It's like an extension of him. He can, he's, he. Uses it like an instrument. Yeah. Like yeah. Ethan mm -hmm. does with his guitar. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, do my with my guitar, but not as well. <laughs> <laughs> not getting into this, Alec. Um, he said he'd been doing it for like 40 years. He'd been flying. Yeah. And I think uh, it was a point And then of pride. he said, my whole life. Yeah, it's my, my whole life. Hey, he said it again. My whole life. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I just don't know if I'm watching the movie when you're speaking <laughs> or not. It's so good. Um, yeah, I wanted to go back for a second. You you were saying that you enjoy flying, and I wanted to touch on it because I don't necessarily look forward to flying. It's not a pastime of mine. Um, I will do it, and I I try to have fun. I try to look on the you know the bright side and watch a good movie, <laughs> uh, Fast and the Furious or something, if you will. <laughs> you know, a fun action film. Um, but about cars and dangerous activities. <laughs> I like to watch Sully personally. Yeah, those are my favorite ones to watch. Flight, but I, I just I from now on I'm gonna be looking out the window looking out for birds, man. <laughs> oh, I got a quick uh, trivia question for you guys based on that. Oh, because I. I think this is pretty common as far as films go. There's usually some sort of bird strike, they call it, right? In a film? Like, in I've any seen film? It, I've seen it multiple times. I can't tell you which films, but I know there's <laughs> been a few films where birds fly into planes. And so I was like, what's going on here? This is a real case 
And it's a there's yeah. a bird strike that caused this whole thing. They have a short term for it. So yeah, it I didn't even know anything was bird strike. That sounds ridiculous to me. But yeah. that's real, by the way. Write it down. I'll make a horror movie called Bird Strike. Oh, there you go. That sounds really cool. Um, how many bird strikes are there per year? I'm talking aviation. You're talking like worth reporting. Uh no, because and this is not the question I'm asking you, but supposedly eighty percent or so are unreported. Fine. They okay. just don't report them. Right, right. But they still happen. There's still yeah. bird strikes, and I still got the number on it. Yeah. So these birds die, and no one bats an eye. Correct. No there one are no says funerals. Anything. Wow. Yeah. Just an unmarked grave in the sky. That's correct. Wow. Dark but true. Uh, I'm going to say, out of all of the flights in the world yeah. <laughs> per year? I think so. Hundreds? Okay. Yeah, I, I, Castell, I, for some reason I was going to, 300 came to mind, but it could be thousands. Over 13,000 times per year there are bird strikes. However, one in one billion result in human death. So One in one billion? Yes. So normally it's not a very big deal, apparently. How many times is 13,000 going to a billion? I don't know, but those are the odds, man. That Sully thing was very rare. Yeah, I think statistically speaking, we're always told air travel is safer than driving in cars. Sure, and, you yeah. know, I think in like the Northeast, you're more likely to hit a moose and die than die in an aircraft. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, when I hear these things, I, I actually moose are also assassins. Though. Sure. But um, yeah. I, I enjoy flying in aviation partly because, there's, you know, you're either you're going to interesting places mm -hmm. or doing interesting things. And uh -huh. I don't travel that often. OK, um, well, now I'm going to enjoy flying because I hate birds and knowing that I'm killed. <laughs> <laughs> it's really gonna be yeah you're part of a bird strike uh that's just uh, fascinating to me yeah. and i i hope that i can get to maybe that's part of your wisdom that i hope to acquire at some point that i will enjoy flying because i still get a little bit nervous i guess just also uncomfortable because i'm used to flying like six hours at a time back sure. to florida and so yeah. after like three hours or so well i think it's human nature my wife hates flying and she'll give lots of reasons why it's not natural for us to be in this canister in the sky that's it's pressure so I was going to ask about so that. Weird. Now, I guess maybe this isn't necessarily, a, it's not a memory thing, I guess. But we like intellectually know that flying is safer and right. have been told it a million times. It is etched in my memory as flying is safe. You are probably safe. <laughs> probably. Why are people still afraid? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I think. I you think just it, don't believe it. I uh, no. I think it's a locus of control thing. Like when you're driving mm. a car, you have control ah. and you you're the captain of the ship. Right. And I think as soon as you turn I'm that the over, now. other Tom Hanks movie <laughs> nice. where he's another captain. Sorry. And you know, I think every time I fly, I always peek in the cockpit to see who you know who's flying this plane. Yeah, and I do the like, same oh, thing. Oh, that guy looks like, or you know, that woman <laughs> looks like she has experience. Or, oh, that that you know, or sure. even wow, the sound. Now I want to be a pilot. Even the sound of the person's voice is kind of <laughs> oh my god, either reassuring or or not so reassuring. Yeah. And I've been on planes, like, I think it was just a few months ago where we're approaching the runway, mm -hmm. or if this has ever happened to you, you're on the final approach and you're I'm about to land to and all of a sudden you hear thrusts and you're going straight up into the sky again. Yep. That has happened And you're wondering what just happened. No, Why are we doing this? That hasn't happened to me. No, I'm yeah. afraid that really? that's going to well, happen. Yeah. Yeah, and the pilot will then kind of come on the intercom at some point and say... <laughs> 
kind of reassuring. Sorry about that, folks. We are, you know, yeah. just going to wrap around again and try that one more time. And you're like, uh, why so are we doing wrong that? the first time, dude? And, you know, I think the last time they said, you know, we just had too much, uh, you know, I think there's a term for it, but the point of separation. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, there's another aircraft potentially on the runway. Now, maybe it was at the very end of the runway. It wouldn't have been an issue, but- Just in case. Uh, just right. in case. And and you really want to know. I, I want to know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, so how close did we get? And was that your call? <laughs> or how did, you know, and yeah, it delayed the flight by 45 minutes because wow. we did go back around, but nobody yeah. was complaining. You and know? you're sure it's not just like that the pilot really likes flying. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. just wants him to make that landing oh, extra Luke, special. Please. Come on. <laughs> Control. I don't want to go to Florida. <laughs> I want 10 more minutes up here with my friend. <laughs> yeah, I had a pilot, uh, my last flight, which was a couple of weeks ago, and we were landing back in LA and he came on the intercom and just... I don't know if he didn't prepare what he was going to say <laughs> or was in a panic about something else or dropped a match on his Maybe crotch. Maybe there was but, a fly in the Yeah, fly cockpit. in the cockpit or something. But he came on and just, he was like kind of stumbling over his words and mm-hmm. was just like, he repeated himself a couple times on something that does not need to be repeated, oh, I remember. No. And was just saying, like he said something wrong and then corrected himself where he was like, so yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, keep your seatbelts fastened and we'll be, uh, or or don't actually, you can, uh, you can now you can move oh, around. No. And then, and soon enough, we'll put the seatbelt on, and oh, then that no. way. And I'm like, what? Oh, Art, no. What's happening here? This is basic stuff. <laughs> so oh, that yeah. just concerned the shit out of me. But I do think there is some sort of psychological response we have to being up there. And I don't know, maybe the control thing that that sounds. Was it like what your wife was saying, maybe also mm. about how it's like we're in this? It's yeah, just it's really a logical unnatural. thing. Yeah. yeah, unnatural thing. Because I also get more emotional on films, and I know that that's a common occurrence, right? That people mm-hmm. are more susceptible to, you know, crying to what a commercial. Movie did you cry at? Oof. What you have to say. Did I not Fast cry and at? Furious? Probably. I did not cry during Fast It is Fast all about family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, I've definitely cried. Like, I th- there was one time I remember I was watching Big Daddy, and I was crying. No. Yes. But, I and I think that that's a fairly sad movie. I mean, towards yeah. the end, there's the whole adoption thing. Sure. It's like, who's he going to stay with? He wants to stay with the dad. He can't stay with him. But I, I cried like five different times in the film. Huh. So it wasn't just that part. I was just ready to tear up. I feel like that's a thing with aging, though. For me, that's what I, I don't know if there's a phenomenon of that to, is, to be true, but mm-hmm. I find that I am more vulnerable and susceptible to crying. But like, I'll cry <laughs> at a commercial now. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty quick for me to cry. Do you find you cry more? Well, I can, you know, there is research showing that as we get older, we're more aware of how life is finite. And oh boy, we want to we, we oh, spend our time Louise. wisely. And sometimes emotional things become more important to us. Whereas when we're younger, we're more focused on our career or where yeah, we're going to live, out. how much money we're going to make. Tattoos. So I think um, it, there's definitely some some reasons as we get okay. older. We you know we value our friendships more. We value our emotional goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying that it's not me being depressed necessarily. <laughs> Unrelated. It could be that I am just milking it and valuing this time by like getting, milking all the emotions out from every moment. Yeah. And you even see when people are diagnosed with terminal cancer Uh or even to bring this back to Sully, at least a few people, as soon as they knew that there's there's something wrong and they're going to have to do an emergency landing, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are getting on their phones and texting their loved ones. Whereas 
the truth is, you know, you only have 40 seconds left to live. Well, why are you on a device? Uh, maybe you want to look where the emergency exit is. <laughs> you know, things that might actually help you. Or logical, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think people's mind goes to what's important to me right yeah. now and yeah, yeah. who are the people that I'm thinking about. And I think as we get older, not just saying we get wiser, but we're more aware of what's important to us. If you had 40 seconds and you made a text that's like, I love you so much, you know, that kind of the final text, do you think it's wrong to then copy and paste that text to a few of your loved ones? Does, it, <laughs> does that make it or less? Should there be an app for that? Where like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you already have them written out like individually yeah. to these people. Well, like as somebody who's like a writer and a comedian of stupid stuff, I would like have released all the bits into the world that I never got out there. Oh, that's <laughs> all the things that were really important to me. Yeah, you just It'll copy like, your whole notes. Be like, honey, I'm dying and it's important for you to know that in the movie The Prestige, uh, Hugh Jackman didn't need to clone and kill all those clones. He could have he could have just used one the whole one time. One clone would have been enough. God, you're didn't right. Didn't have to murder all those clones. Yeah, they just wanted that cool visual of all the clones. Yeah. And that's my last thought. Yeah. <laughs> and make something funny out of that, please. Yeah, and, There's some sketch there. And like, it's, I don't know if it's a stand-up bit, and the movie's pretty old at this point, but it's yeah. gotta be something. <laughs> there's something to it. Maybe there's a new Hugh Jackman movie, please. A Hugh Jack there's something funny about him, honey. I love you. Yeah, I love Love you. Um, <laughs> I hope there's a new Wolverine. Bye. Bye. Oh my God. Um, okay, great. So I have so many. Okay, great. Okay, that's rich. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Both pilots have mustaches. Now, I'm not sure why I wrote that down, but I think it's significant. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that, I mean, that helps with the psychology of does it aging oh, okay i don't know i think it i think it shows authority is that why people like us look so silly when we have mustaches because i've tried <laughs> having a mustache and i get laughed out yes. of a room yes because i have no authority honestly I, I only think it half worked on aaron eckhart oh okay very interesting who played the co-pilot correct film. A yeah great co -pilot. you know to be honest i don't think i consciously noticed that they both had mustaches. he didn't remember <laughs> I didn't the remember. mustache but he remembered what was important about the character well no i'm sure it plays an a role and an impression and you know when you're thinking of pilots maybe you do think you mustache especially a 57 year old i don't i don't know so yeah more distinguished or something perhaps wow I can't believe he was only 57 he looks so mm -hmm. much older than tom hanks who is probably that age yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. You look pretty cool, though. Tell you what. You look cool Sully as hell. Sully is cool as hell. They had one moment in the movie where a woman propositioned him, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we sure all know that that's happening. That. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I kind of wish he had divorced his wife and just gone on a tear and just been a <laughs> rock star, but I don't know what that has to do with the science. Hey, that would have been the fiction part. That would have been them bending reality yeah. a little bit, uh, but it would have been great. Okay, so they debrief him like the next day. So I just wanted to ask about that because it seems like kind what we were talking about earlier like is that the best time to recall i mean i know it's the soonest available time but it seems like he would still be i don't know are recovering. you saying it's like very insensitive perhaps or yeah maybe not effective because they were kind of pushing him like blaming him a little bit in that first meeting and it was like the next day i think or the or the same day mm -hmm. so and they were trying to recall like exactly what was happening and i know i think police do the same kind of thing like it's like hey i'm sorry i know this is a sensitive time but we need to get down as much information right. as we can right now but i don't know is that do you think that that affects somebody's memory like would i remember more about the incident 
two, three days afterwards when I've calmed down and had an egg sandwich? Or would it be <laughs> right then that I can recall the most? No, it's a great question. And, and you see it also in eyewitness memory that you do want to get people, you know, as soon as the event has taken place mm -hmm. because people might have access to information that they'll then rapidly forget. But if it's a traumatic event, we know memory is reconstructive and you're gonna, you might remember things out of order. You forget a detail that someone else remembers and then when they remember it, then it triggers your memory. So mm -hmm. it's probably good to get as much information as you can at multiple times, knowing that all of this is based on a, a human memory system and not mm -hmm. like a computer memory system. Right. Um, and I thought that was kind of a neat part of the movie where they kept contrasting like what a computer would do, what a simulation yeah. you know, would show. And that just shows that the human mind doesn't work that way. In some ways there are parallels, but in many ways there's differences. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure the things he forgot might have not been important at the time, but it's very easy to show even an eyewitness memory that people forget very important things that didn't seem important at the time and then later become important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, you know, the other things that do help are sleep, you know, sleep can really be helpful if you're not under stress. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, probably after a week or so, he's more calm. Some of these memories might've incubated. Um, so there's probably benefits to, you know, continuing the investigation over a long period of time. Yeah. Knowing full well that you're not going to get the whole story from kind of the human brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You got good sleep, Alec? Eight hours. Classic. Enough. That's Enough. what he says in the movie. <laughs> oh, so you're just being him again. <laughs> but I, I try but to get. You eight try hours. to get eight hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was actually wondering. I never remember my dreams. Okay, but you remember your nightmares. Um, I've been remembering a couple nightmares recently. Okay. How can he change that? <laughs> dreams are so interesting because they probably reflect some thought that was going through your mind at some point during the day or something. About how I'm doing this podcast, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I think we've all had that dream where we show up for an interview or a day at school and then we're not wearing pants. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I get the, <laughs> yeah. don't know the lines for the play. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or you can't say them. You know them, yeah. you can't say them. Or mm. someone's chasing you, but you can't run. So I think those are, are like deep embedded fears. Um, probably not great to watch a movie like that late at night, uh -huh. just before you go to bed. That's what I did. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I did try and reserve some time in the morning to, to go over the movie. But I think when I first saw the movie, when it came out, I, I saw it at night and my wife had zero interest in seeing the movie. Sure. sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's just seeing it with me, who is all excited to see a movie where we know, you know, you know, it's, yes, a, it's a good outcome. The cabin's going to fill with water. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I think some people will be like, why would you watch that? I mean, that's thankfully it turned out well, but mm -hmm. there's yeah. going to be a lot of things in there that would are everyone's worst nightmare yes right. and then they're gonna yell at him and tell him he did it wrong yeah even though he was a hero yeah and that's gonna make me cry yeah yeah, yeah. and but it's I funny like how it. he kept saying you know the term heroes applied but it's not just to him i think his co-pilot who you know co-pilot the the dynamics in the cockpit when you have to make these quick decisions yeah what if the co-pilot's like no i don't think we should do the hudson yeah. right yeah I'm not no feeling true. the hudson today yeah yeah uh, but like they work chill. well together and you know they that do guy really trusted that sure guy. other guy you, you really have to <laughs> and when they review the transcript how well do they work together because the co-pilot is doing a lot of planning that the pilot can't do and none of us remembered his name it, right no yeah i want to no. say skiles i think it had something to do with excuse me yeah. the word skies yeah, in i his think name. so yeah which is always a good sign if you're a pilot but, uh, <laughs> but that could be my it. memory playing tricks on me yeah but he also had a mustache if i'm not mistaken. oh that's correct yeah. no they both had right. mustaches oh, for yeah. sure yeah yeah that was big let me ask you this yeah the cockpit too complicated am i right 
stuff. Oh, all of the buttons. It that looks makes insane. Me, that makes I've me nervous. I've always thought yeah. that, Ethan. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I'm the guy who's yeah. going to say How it. How the hell do they remember all that stuff? It actually is <laughs> heartening to know that they look at big binders. That's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is I think there's a lot of things in that cockpit they're using regularly. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things like, what does that warning light mean? Let me look it up. Like, let me check. And I think, again, that's the that's how a human brain works. Even mm-hmm. if you have expertise with things that don't happen often, mm-hmm. you have to consult. And I think that's what Sully was doing is like, I have to do a water landing. He had to consult kind of the physics, the principles in his head of what do I need to do to execute this? Mm-hmm. Even though a bunch of warning lights are going off, they're losing altitude, they're losing pressure, all of these things he could and should be dealing with, but he's dealing kind of with one thing. So I think that's where the co-pilot is. They didn't have time to consult the manuals, but right. yeah, I do. Trust me. I look in the cockpit and I'm so glad there's at least two people up there who know how to fly. It still makes me so nervous because yeah. I do the same like check on the pilots to see if they look like normal yeah. humans, Yeah, but I get nervous every time I see those yeah. lights and the controls and the yeah. switches. And have you like, ever been this? disappointed by the look of the pilots? I'm curious. <laughs> no, I don't gonna, think so. Strange prejudices are going to come out Except right for when the they do that announcement type thing. The voice? Yeah. And, and normally Where it's, it's fine. like, if it's just like... Hey guys, it's gonna be a great flight. And you're like, oh no, no, it is not. And they always talk for too long, you know, give you way too much information. I don't care how many thousand feet. I I don't know what that means. Oh, I love that. I like it when they go on. They say, you know, we're going over the Grand Canyon. We're gonna do this. I just love it. The more information I can get, I find that both. I I think it's both interesting, but also like Mm -hmm. they know what they're doing up there. I just knock me out and wake me up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's more, that's more my speed. However, if it's interesting and they have a good way of delivering it, I'm down. I want to hear about all of it. I just feel like the bulk of the time they come on and it's like, Mm -hmm. wake me up for the bird strike, please. (sighs) Yeah. Wake me up when the bird strikes. Jesus. You know, it's funny. I spoke to a pilot once and you know, when you meet someone and you you realize they're a pilot, it's like, you know, yeah. Can I just talk to you for the next four totally. hours? Yeah. What's your head like? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, what's your what's your greatest fear? What's the biggest screw up? And they have to be careful what they say. But sure. <laughs> right. To so be allowed said, to do it know, again. So I said, look, you know, I study memory, <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot for you to think about. And he's like, you know, a lot of it is automated. Um, uh, but the thing he struggled with the most was remembering the gate number of where they're arriving at. Wow. And to me, that's like it's a two digit number. It's like really, yeah. Of course. That to me would be the easiest thing, right. but. But it changes mind, every it changes. time. It's, it's yeah. completely arbitrary it's, yeah. to them. And probably. it's probably one of the most, like, least important things exactly. that they need to know. Right. Once they land, they'll figure that out. Yeah. So he says he actually has to write it on a post-it note. And I was going to say, put it on his sticky. <laughs> put it on his sticky. And I thought, See, that would be alarming. Great, great Look at the control, the cockpit. covered in sticky notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah but oh, like, geez. Don't forget. <laughs> this warning is <laughs> yeah, here. What? Just mostly arrows. Okay. Well, maybe you asked this pilot. I don't know if it's come up in your research or anything. Thing, but I was reading very briefly about air pressure and how we get less oxygen to the brain when we're on a plane. And so does that affect our thinking or would that affect how we emotionally relate to Is stuff? Is that why you like it so much? Yeah. Well, I think Because you know, you're like kind of high. Again, this, this isn't really my area of expertise, but when, when there is less oxygen, you're not going to be performing at your you know top top level. Okay, here um, we go. And that's why I'm always amazed and impressed at people who can like pull out their laptop and start doing all this work because oh, yeah. I will watch a movie, relax, maybe read a magazine. And if I really have work to do, I will try and get it done, you know, in the first hour or so. But mm. I feel sluggish. And that's why when you right. get off a five hour flight, what you're like, why do I feel tired? I haven't been doing oh, anything. Oh yeah, I'm exhausted yeah. always. But you ha- your brain hasn't been getting kind of its full dose of oxygen and nutrients and even exercise of movement. So right. we're, we're lethargic. And I think 
it must be tough being a pilot or, you know, working in the cabin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those conditions are, are challenging. And I think, again, getting back to that's why probably people don't feel safe on airplanes. Is it is not our natural habitat right. in totally. many ways. So yeah. I, mean, I, I think our instinct is to like be there as long as we need to and then get get out. Get the F out. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off. Captain's hats off. <laughs> pilots. Hats off. I mean, that's just got to be, I can't imagine, I can't even imagine like when I have to, when I have to stop somewhere, you know, when you have a, what's that called? A, an errand? Uh, <laughs> an errand. No, like uh, when it's not one way, when you have to like multiple stops. Layover. Uh, yeah. When you have to layover like that, I st- even that I can't stand yeah. to go get off a plane and then get onto another plane. And that's their job. They're just doing that all the time. And I just can't imagine how that, like yeah. the fatigue, the mental. Uh, I once worked in an airport. Okay. I once opened a restaurant and like trained the staff of a restaurant in this airport. Whoa. And I found it just horrible just having to go through security every time I'm going. Yeah. Even that is exhausting. Even that is like, I don't want to do this. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough right there, let alone the whole going into the air part. Yeah. That's really, uh, I don't know. We got to have a pilot on here and I got to rack their brain because that has to be, I just don't know how you, you know, just walking around on the ground. I need like two to three coffees a day. I don't have a kid. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a dog. Yeah. And it's tough enough. A good argument why you shouldn't have any of that stuff. No. Or be be a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be allowed to do this. Honestly. I'm amazed they let me. Yeah. Uh, I read uh, that memory gets more selective with age. Can you touch on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, one of our common observations is as we get older, our memory seems to decline. We don't remember names as well. But one thing we found in our lab at UCLA, and I think it's a common observation, is that even if we don't remember as much, we're more selective in terms of what we feel we need to remember. Okay. Um, You know, that you might need to remember certain things or certain grocery items or certain children are allergic to certain things Mm -hmm. or remembering medication. And I think those are the things that really matter most. And, uh, you know, a lot of the older adults I work with will say they notice their memory declines, but they they might not use this term metacognition, but our, our awareness or our meta-memory uh, might become more tuned, that we're hmm. more aware, probably more familiar with the memory failures we've had in the past. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as you get older, you've, you accumulate this long list of screw-ups, basically. Yep. Oh, yeah. And yep. uh, those oh, screw-ups yeah. can be classic. So they can be big ones. But it also makes you better prepared. Like if you're going on a trip, you write something down, you keep your passport in a certain spot, you keep your car keys somewhere so you're not searching around. Mm -hmm. And I think those are good memory strategies, uh, being more selective, realizing you can't remember everything. So you're saying something that, and that is something that I have recently realized is that for me, I thought it was just the wisdom that I've learned and figured out that I I'm an idiot <laughs> mm-hmm. and need to take extra steps because I'm <laughs> never going to. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. wisdom to me. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess what I remember in those moments is you probably need to do more yeah. just in general. Yeah. To help yeah. you. I think, you know, we multitask a lot. We're often on autopilot doing lots of things at once. And that's when we start to forget things or things, you know, we're, we're just not doing things as quickly as we used to. And so as we get older, we might be more aware that it's not worth multitasking or we can't multitask as well. Mm-hmm. And we focus on the things that are important because the truth is a lot of the things we are doing every day, a lot of them aren't critical. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've noticed even in my own day as, you know, I realize I'm not going to get everything done 
can I get the big three things done that I need to get done? Yes. Whereas when I was younger and even in college, I just, you know, try and get everything done. And if I didn't, I just stopped. <laughs> right. Yeah. And right. so I think being strategic and I think getting back to Sully, you know, if you, I forget how many seconds he had, but it's something like 240 seconds to plan this whole thing. Yes. Right. You're not going to go to the, the manual and start at page one and figure out what to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to be like, what's the biggest thing I need to do? I yeah. need to get this landing, this, you know, make sure then people are aware of what I'm going to do. I need to communicate with the airports. What and do I need to do? Call the bird's family. Yeah, Start with that. Exactly. <laughs> I <laughs> have terrible news for you. <laughs> <laughs> but your mind could certainly start going to that routine of what do I do now um, yeah. versus this very novel situation and how do I solve it? So I think, you know, another thing that's interesting as we get older is maybe creativity even blossoms because mm. we're not stuck in these routines where we're happy to think in different ways. And also our frontal lobe starts to decline, which is our frontal lobe kind of keeps us in line and kind of focused on one task. Mm. But sometimes we really need to be creative and, you know, one thing reminds us of something else. So in a sense, Sully might be thinking, oh my God, this is happening. Yeah. Mm. All of these other experiences kind of can blend back into me executing what might have been the perfect landing. And the, yeah. the frontal lobe might try to make him more focused on that, you're saying? Possibly both make him focused on that, but allow these other kind of relevant thoughts come in whereas a younger person might say well it's it's water do i land like it's land mm -hmm. right. because that's how i land and that would be a very focused way to accomplish a task mm -hmm. but the truth is in life we're often encountering slightly different situations that or we want to solve a problem a new way and right. sometimes an older brain might actually be very helpful in that situation wow i like this mm. Gotta have you back every week. This is very beneficial for me. Every year you get older, you like it more, right? Yeah, it's so true because I do worry about it a lot. Now, I have one question also. Did you write this book better with age in anticipation that you are going to get older at some point and you want to be treated better? Okay, you know, very I really good. do worry about that because it's the kind of thing where, you know, I need to be a role model. Right, and, right. Or at the very least, <laughs> if I wrote the book, I sure as hell be, should be aging well. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, there's lots of obvious things you should be doing, like exercise yeah. and socializing and... Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's many times where I don't do those things or I sit for more hours than I should every day. So I think this book, you know, sometimes we call research is kind of me search where you're trying to figure uh, out what, yes. what do I need to do. Love to, that. And, and that's when you write a book, you learn a lot. Yeah. And you also can't I stop assume. talking about it. <laughs> um, and so I've learned a lot. And, I, you know, I also learned that not every, successful aging, not everyone is going to age well. Yeah. Uh, I like to think we do have some control over the process. I'm not a biologist. I'm a psychologist. So I think there's many things we can do to age well. Mm -hmm. Having said man, that. you better do it. Yeah, I better do it. <laughs> yeah, man. Right? Better or, stay or, sharp, Or Alan. die trying, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the other thing is we do want to add years to our life, but also life to those years. And we don't want to, you yeah. know, so I think the habits That's why I'm crying have, at the commercial. Sure. You're, yeah. you're mature. You're a mature young man. Thank you. Um, That's right. That's why I was crying when I picked you up. Yes. <laughs> Happy to see you. Yeah. I wanted to you're enjoy in, our time together. You're in yeah. touch with kind of what's important. And I think when we're young, we enjoy having friends or Facebook friends. But as you get older, you realize how important those close relationships are. Yes. Especially when people move away or pass away. Mm -hmm. That kind of becomes very important to you. And things like loneliness um, can really be something that can, you know, they call it almost the silent killer. Right. It's mm -hmm. not just being around family all the time, but it's having these relationships or even, you know, regular social interactions at the library or the exercise class or at your job. Mm -hmm. 
The and three I, places I go. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. The library. <laughs> um, and so I think those things are important. And, you know, in this case of Sully, he was 57. He was nearing retirement. And, you know, that's kind of a tough thing once you, when you've been a pilot and you're doing this all your life and then it's just done. Well, yeah. and like, yeah, and he was worried that they were going to take away his career. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think those, and your career is your life if you've been doing it your whole life. Yeah. And not just flying planes, but being around people, you mm -hmm. know, other people who enjoy flying you know, working with all these passengers. So I think he did well in that he was involved in aviation safety. He wanted to go into that consulting role, which right. he did afterwards. Um, so it's almost like he's probably blossoming now, right? Sure. Probably yeah. The fucking biggest <laughs> yeah. Uh, consultant there is. Well, I think he's a good spokesperson for aviation safety and some of the issues that have come up just with budget cuts that there's a lot we can oh, do yeah. to That's ensure. That's so scary, by the way. Don't look that up. Absolutely. <laughs> budget cutting to airplanes? Yeah. But planes are... Keeping me safest. alive. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Uh, yeah, it just seems like the worst thing to cut the budget of. Doesn't make any sense to do that. That that that's what I always think of whenever I think of all the '90s comedians doing. What's the deal with airplane food? <laughs> I figured it out. The deal with airplane food is that planes are expensive <laughs> and hard to maintain. Yeah. That's where all the money goes. That's right. It goes into the engine. <laughs> right. Food's and, not very and, good. And it probably no. should. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Buy some food I'm at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Croissant sandwich. They're yeah. fine. Um, honestly, they're delicious, actually. I really like them. But that's just me. Um, In the pocket of big croissant. No, no. They're not a sponsor, I swear. But uh, get your croissants now at the airport. Um, it's not even a restaurant. It's just an airport croissant. Airportcroissants.com. <laughs> <laughs> Airport croissant delivered right to your home. Um, okay, I had a few other things. Uh, I mean, you you were mentioning a little bit about how we age better. I mean, you strike me as like a very just low stress, one thing at a time individual. So I assume that that's a big part of it. Is like, and, and you mentioned earlier that like a lot of what we do is not critical, and I think that's huge. Like, there's a lot of people I'm sure Alec knows as well that like we interact with, and it just seems like you have this to do list of like yeah. eight things you got to do during the day, and they're all equally vital to your survival. Yeah. And it's like that is not true. You need to be honest with yourself. Most of that is of no consequence. You know, maybe the one thing is like pay your bill on time, and that's pretty important. Mm -hmm. But like besides that relax you're trying to tell me my life is insignificant pretty much that is what i'm saying okay. yes but, uh, for the most part but, but that's a good thing because it's like you yeah know, i think relax. As, we, as we get older we learn to focus on what's important i still worry about many things i don't have control over you're always doing simulations of the future like what are your kids gonna need tomorrow and mm -hmm. you know how do you you know get from here to there and consult this so a lot of it is you know people talk about mindfulness and staying present and i think Nothing like a good emergency to make you <laughs> make you aware of the need to be present, both in the case of Sully, but also I think after you see movies like that. And there's research showing that, you know, after 9-11, people who weren't even in New York were more in touch with their close family. Right. Because, of course. you know, those events draw people together. They make you aware of what's important, who's important in your life. Yes. That same research shows after about six months, we're back to our same old worries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we go back to our same old ways, but I think that's what happens as we get older or we're faced with big decisions. Yeah, the the fragility of life thing is what strikes me the most because yeah. I feel like as I get older, maybe I'm just playing those simulations in my brain right. more often where right. it's like, oh, I could lose this person. I could well, lose. Well, yeah, watching all my friends' parents die and stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. And you're like, oh, I need to just 
be happy in the moment with this person I'm with and, and treat them well. Right. Instead of yelling and beating everybody up, which is my normal go-to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And why don't we change? We know those. <laughs> I, I, again, I think as we get older, we're, we're more aware of these things. I mean, you're talking about it, but putting it into practice, sometimes, you know, there's not benefits, but as we get older and we don't move as fast or we can't do as much, or we, we start to think what, what's really important? What do I want to focus on? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's even theories called selective optimization with compensation, which sounds like a mouthful, but you, sure. you basically, as you get older, you kind of selectively optimize the things that are important to you and then try and compensate for the other things. Mm. Um, you know, keeping it simple. And I, I did a lot of interviews for this book with, you know, people like John Wooden. Uh, mm. I actually tried to contact Sully, <laughs> oh. um, but he was pretty busy at that time. Just to ask them, you know, not not like what are the secrets of success, but, you know, what, what keeps you going and what are some important things? And one thing that kept coming up was, um, was balance, to have balance in your life. And, you know, that that I think is both in terms of physical balance because one in three people over the age of 60 are gonna suffer a fall, mm. which can lead to a broken hip, broken arm. Mm. And then you're relying on other people. You're not walking. Start you're, training now. Yeah, it's a balance. And you don't really notice your balance declining, but then balance more, you know, generally speaking, having balance, like balancing your work and your family mm -hmm. or professional with your, you know, hobbies. Yeah, And that's something when we're younger, we probably don't have enough of. We're kind mm -hmm. of, tunnel vision on things. Yeah. So. Well, you should do what Sully does. Only talk to your wife on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Never see her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did not have a scene together. <laughs> it was just on the phone. I, I think being a pilot, it must be challenging because oh, yeah. your balance, your circadian rhythms all thrown out of whack. You're all, all over the I world. That. I, I mean, can't imagine this. I mean, it, you talk about how challenging it is to fly. Imagine when you're like, that's your profession and I you're can't on and it. off. It stresses me out so much yeah. just thinking about it. Yeah. So I, I think it's probably- just my fault. Probably having that sort of balance, but a lot of people don't, and that's what keeps them going. I think also, you know, sometimes that's boring. That's they, right. want, they want that career or that that vocation that's exciting. And but I mean, just go hang gliding or something. Yeah, no, you could definitely skate. make it your your your. You know, and that's maybe what you do when you retire. Yeah, that's true. So okay, I want to see Sully hang gliding. I can show you a video. Okay. Um, give us a deep fake. It's a deep fake, but it's awesome. <laughs> um, how about just like a like rattle off lightning round oh. things that we can do to improve our aging, our our memory. I assume like Sudoku. You were mentioning working out some cardio. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's funny. Everyone always asks Sudoku crossword puzzles, and I, I tell them that you know there's no good research yet to show that doing those things improves your memory for the things you care about, like okay. where you put your keys or remember names. Mm. So you don't see that what transfer. I think about my keys the whole time I'm doing my That might that might be more helpful. Um, <laughs> and you know, the only research that really shows that, you know, you can improve memory um, that for the things that matter is physical exercise. So there's some really good work showing that, you know, if you walk three or four times a week for 45 minutes, mm -hmm. after six months, you'll find, and they found this in people, in older people, their hippocampus, the part of the brain that's really involved in memory which tends to decline in volume by about 1% every year after the age of 50. Mm -hmm. Whoa. They found in the walking group that their hippocampus actually increased in volume by, by 2%. Now we're talking. Yeah, so okay. your brain is wow. growing. They're doing better on a lot of memory and cognitive tasks. Yeah. And you know, walking is the kind of thing where it improves balance. You can do it socially with other people. Yeah. 
And 45 so, minutes, you can do it while listening to a podcast. Yeah. And do they do they let you onto the hippo campus at UCLA, or is that only for the hippo? <laughs> oh, yes. God. Good, good play on words. Yes. That'll help you remember that word, at least. It uh, oh, that's it'll true. help me remember the wrong thing. Uh, yeah. I'm just thinking Another about mnemonic. a bunch of hippos yeah. going to class. Useless to me. <laughs> well, that's kind of how I got through a lot of high school and college, was using these mnemonics, especially for chemistry. And that I learned, mm-hmm. you know, I memorized the entire periodic table, making up a mnemonic, like a rhyme, a story. Yeah. And I have no deeper understanding of chemistry. Right. So I learned, thankfully, that, you know, I stumbled into this field of psychology where people studied memory and cognition. And so I found it fascinating, but I was already doing a lot of these things, tricking my brain into remembering. When you're in school for psychology and you're trying to remember stuff about memory and you forget that's got to be a unique feeling <laughs> that's trippy that, that is pretty concerning and, and interesting but you're right it's it's this it's almost this meta level of you're trying to memorize things you're, and you're memory. forgetting the word metacognition but you know this is yeah. this is kind of how a lot of the science is done and a lot of people have trouble with this not because they have dementia or alzheimer's disease it's just we don't encode things we don't really need hmm. and we almost get oversaturated hmm. once you see it so many times so you you, you only it. so these things that are important to you uh, tend to stick in the memory, which is why I have the whole CNH sugar commercial from like 19. <laughs> Some, yeah, you like something about that a lot. Yeah. And well, you I, want to remember it. It's I, like two minutes long. I why? know. It's, and you know, yeah. you'll remember like car dealership ads from when you were seven years old. Yes. And why? And I think that's just the quirk of memory is that those things, when you're, when you have a, you know, you're a young brain and these things are going to stick because they're novel. They're the first time you've heard them. Hmm. Um, I think what I like to think is as we get older, we try and adaptively forget things. Yes. Um, so yeah, we forget a lot, but maybe it's good to forget where you parked your car last week because you need to remember where you parked today. I forget yeah. where I parked my car <laughs> yes. constantly. And I, or just remember if you have a car, if you brought your car that today. That is important. <laughs> so that becomes kind of the more central thing <laughs> I have a to, car? to focus on. <laughs> but so. like, I like to forget that I have a car because when I realize I have one, it's a relief. <laughs> yes. Yeah, purposely forgetting. <laughs> oh my God, I have a car. This is awesome. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, I have more questions, but we are out of time and I know you're both very busy people, so I thank you so for So you're just coming. saying that to uh, just, just make to show sure that off. the <laughs> listeners are, there could have been more. There could have been so just much so more to know. this. It's unfortunate, but we're here. Um, Alec, how can people find you? Where can they see you? I'm on Twitter at Alec Owen and Instagram at Alec Owen, A-L-E-C-O-W-N. And I, the other thing I will plug is, you know, you should watch Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, yes. the movie. Great. Is on Shudder and Showtime. It's streaming. Yeah. Stream that flick immediately. And I'm and, serious. And we're both dead <laughs> serious about that title. Uh, and then find uh, Alec at Alec Owen. Yeah. And Dr. Alan D. Castell. You got it. I was I'm, nervous. That's, right, that's right. Long-term memory and <laughs> Honestly, so well was done. I. I'm holding your book right here. It looks glorious. It looks like a barrel of finely aged whiskey, um, which is one of the only ways I think that I would drink whiskey because I'm very weak and I need something that is smooth. Um, and I'm sure this book will go down smooth as soon as I read it. Uh, oh is there something God, else? You're such a good host. You're <laughs> killing I'm trying it. my best. Is there something else you'd like to uh, promote, let people know about? Uh, no, the, if you're interested in learning more, the book is called Better With Age, uh, The Psychology of Successful Aging. You can find it on Amazon. And thanks for having me on the show. No, thanks for being here. And if I'm uh, not um, 
mistaken, if they don't read the book, they'll age like shit. Is that correct? <laughs> if, uh, if you don't read the book, they're going to put you in a home. Yeah, you're going to be put in a home at 35. There you go. That's the sales pitch, I think. That's, that's what I'm going I with. mean, if you want, I can come to readings, uh, whatever you need. Uh, no, thank you so much. And, uh, and it's not a passive-aggressive gift. It doesn't say that no, you think someone's old. It's just it's nice. It's a good gift. Everyone's aging. And it's cool to get. Everyone loves a book, a good book. Yes. So just do it. Buy the book. What's the matter with you? Why are you still sitting there? Honestly, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Something's wrong with your memory. Um, no, thank you so much. And we'll talk uh, for Sully 2. Yeah, when Sully 2 comes out, when he... Uh, Maybe it'll be a fiction about his consulting when, uh, business that turns into a like arms dealer. I don't know. Sure. We'll find out then. Yeah. See you then. Bye. <laughs> Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger. And our executive pilot producer is Brett Gushner. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show. Or feel free to send us an email, badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Let us know what you think about the show, any movies we should do in the future. I always appreciate getting your emails. And, of course, leave us an iTunes review. That lets other people hear about the show. And I'll see you all next week. Bye.